I'm DeWitt Bingham. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show, where we discuss all things social and criminal justice related, from the front end to the back end, and everything in between. You have a right to remain silent, because anything you say can and will be held against you. You have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. You're in the self-incrimination protection zone, where there is no cruel and unusual punishment, no illegal search and seizure. The exclusionary rule has you covered. So sit back, relax, and become sold on this week's episode. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show. I'm DeWitt Bingham, your host. Thank you for tuning in to the show where we discuss all things social justice and criminal justice, where the goals are to inform you, the American citizen, of your constitutional rights, to provide educational occupational guidance to high school and college students, and to be a voice for change. I'm excited about today's show because today's guests are 2021 college graduates, men who I first met as a HCC faculty advisor to the group MEN, the acronym that stands for Male Empowerment Network, and who are two of the suavest, smoothest, and debonair young brothers I know. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to some and present to others, Mr. Kendall K.J. Johnson and Mr. Terrence T.B. Brown. <laughs> Welcome to the show, fellas. Hey, thanks for having us, DeWitt. Thanks for having us, man. We're glad to be here. Today's episode, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud. But before we get into our subject, let's learn a little more about our guest. Gentlemen, what we like to do in segment number one of the show is to educate our high school and college students or provide educational and occupational guidance to our high school and college students. And we simply do that by allowing our guests to introduce themselves. So if you would, uh, tell us where you were born and raised, where you went to high school, where you just graduated from college, what you studied, and give us a career goal, starting with you, TB. All right, like DeWitt said, I'm Terrence Brown. Uh, I was born and raised here in Bloomington Normal. I attended Bloomington High School, you know, once a Raider, always a Raider. All right, then. And I graduated 2015, best class to ever do it. I just graduated from ISU uh, with a bachelor's in recreation management. Before that, I attended Heartland Community College and got my associates in arts. I would say one of my career goals is something that me and KJ touched on, which is to do something I enjoy doing, but also take ownership of that and, you know, take ownership of my schedule and uh, my life. Money isn't everything. It's just really finding a purpose and what I do and enjoying that. Okay. KJ? Yep. My name is uh, Kendall Johnson, and uh, I was also born and raised here in Bloomington, normal. And I also graduated from Bloomington High School, class of 2015. Once a Raider, always a Raider. The college I graduated from uh, was Heartland Community College. Uh, this was uh, here last month in May. Um, I got my degree in uh, Associates in Arts, and I plan to uh, study exercise science, and I'll uh, minor in sociology. But one career goal that I just really want to focus on, and uh, it's, I would just like to apply this to life in general, is just to do something that I love to do. 
you know, I've worked numerous amount of jobs and, uh, and gigs. And after doing all that, uh, the overall goal, uh, the overall message that God sent to me is just, uh, you know, if you keep working hard and you keep me first, you know, you'll be able to do something that you love. So I just got to make sure I keep God first and everything will flow through. Awesome. I want to say that I'm really blessed to have you guys to be a part of my life. And I remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but back when uh, TB was going to Heartland and KJ, you were actually, I think, in my intro to criminal justice course, mm-hmm. TB would sometimes stop by. And even though he wasn't in the class or enrolled in the course, he actually would come into the class and you guys would welcome him and give him love as he actually did you guys. And sometimes I'd ask the question and maybe the students wouldn't know and he would actually answer. Y'all remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool. Remember it like yesterday. I want, I want to just say that, you know, these brothers are good Christian men and they actually got a great future ahead of them. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. I want to say that I'm very, very proud of you guys. And with everything that's going on in this world as an emerging African-American man, what's one or two things that you are proud of? For me, it's uh, the influence that I've had on uh, young black adolescents in my community. Uh, I've been a basketball official since 2016. I was 19 years old, so that's coming up on five years now. And just to see uh, or to hear from the kids and the way they approach me and the way they talk to me and how I respond means a lot to me. And some it's something that I'm proud of. Uh, a lot of the kids reach out to me and they trust me with, they trust my advice and, you know, my words and they follow through on that. And they actually, you know, following some of the same footsteps that I've taken. So that's something that's very important to me. And the fact that I've been able to do that effectively God willing, something that I'm most proud of. Awesome. And so you believe that it is important for an emerging adult like yourself to be a role model to younger adolescents in the community. Of course, because I think I'm at a prime age to do so at 24 years old because I'm still young enough to where I can relate to them. But also I'm old enough to where, or I wouldn't say old enough, but I'm mature enough to be able to guide them as well, saying, I know this is how you feel about this because I still have some of those same feelings, but I'm wise enough to know that, hey, that may not be the way to go about it. You know, this route might be better for you. Awesome. KJ? I would say um, I'm very proud of uh, the commitment I made to finish school, and I'd like to also uh, give a hand clap to everybody else who who, uh, followed through and and executed and made that commitment as well. Just with everything going on this past year, um, you know, going to school uh, during a pandemic isn't the easiest thing. Uh, just do, just going through everyday life uh, during a pandemic isn't easy, from a, especially from the mental side. So uh, my grandpa actually passed away recently in uh, December. He lived up to uh, his 96th birthday. But I I always would tell him, you know, what I would what I was doing in school and, you know, how everything was just going um, throughout my life. So uh, the second semester that just stuck in my head, um, you know, just the conversations that we had. And uh, also I just like to shout him out and shout out God and just everybody who pushed me along the way. Awesome. Yeah. As we've talked about many times, you guys have had to endure not just life circumstances and situations, but. This pandemic that came along 
uh, over a year ago when it first happened. I remember as an instructor, we had to put things immediately online and you could see some of the stress that it caused students. So you guys definitely should be proud of the fact that you've made it through. You got your degrees. You're going forward. Uh, you definitely uh, have. That's right. You definitely have done some a great thing by getting you agreed during this particular period of time. Let's move on to uh, our second segment, constitutional rights. You have the 13th Amendment, abolition of slavery. You have the 14th Amendment, equal protection under the law. And you have the 15th Amendment that gave black people the right to vote. What I want to know is what is your favorite constitutional right? Beginning with you, TB. I would say my favorite is the 13th Amendment. The abolition of slavery, I feel like even though we still have a long way to go in this country and in a lot of ways slavery is still here and present and we're still feeling those effects, I would say the 13th is my favorite because it started the process of balancing the playing field. It just started the process of equality, and that's all we want as black people. Excellent. KJ? Uh, you know, I'd have to tag along and uh, agree with Terrence's statement. Uh, uh, the 13th Amendment is uh, definitely, I feel like, the most important to me. Um, I believe it was one of the beginning stages in U.S. history where blacks had some type of independence and, and freedom. Um, I would suggest uh, if anybody has ever heard of the documentary called 13th Amendment on Netflix. Mm hmm. Check it out whenever you get a chance. It's about maybe about an hour and a half long. Pretty much just gives an, an overall perspective on how this country was started. It just gives some a lot of great facts. So, yeah, I just recommend people to check that out. Awesome. Yeah. One of the things that I always say is that if you don't understand your history, you can actually repeat things if you don't understand where you come from. So it's very important for we as African-Americans to understand where we came from, what we've been delivered from, and what we've come out of. And as you guys have stressed, uh, glory be to God, we're no longer in that particular period of time, even though there are times where you can still feel as though things aren't equal. Mm -hmm. uh, because certainly uh, there are times where when I was in you guys' shoes, I felt like I had to be twice as good and uh, be twice as educated, be twice as knowledgeable than my uh, uh, white counterpart in order to actually get that position or get that job. All right. Very good. Let's move on to segment number three. Voice for change. As emerging adult black men, how do you feel about America right now? How do I feel about America right now? Well, first, I want to be grateful for America, because I know we still, even though, you know, for us African-Americans, it's not ideal. It could be a lot worse. There's, you know, country, there's people in other countries going through, you know, things, you know, Absolutely. a lot worse than we're going. Well, I, was, I don't want to compare, but, you know, there's some situations where I wouldn't want to be in that are going on in other countries. So I will give thanks to America about that. But my thoughts on America is just that we're uneducated about one another. And uh, we're blind to a lot of things when it comes to uh, different ethnicities and different cultures. And uh, we just, as a whole, speaking in general, I believe we we strive for the wrong things in life. Uh, we really value material things and status symbols and things like that. You know, we put all of our trust. Uh, 
we put a lot of trust in, you know, things that are temporary and aren't fulfilling. And in that, we get a lot of the unnecessary chaos and uh, madness that we get. So it all boils down to what we strive for uh, and our ignorance as a country. I think the Bible says to trust no man, that we are to trust God and put him first. And if we would do that, certainly we would be able to actually respect one another, no matter what your race is, no matter what your gender is, no matter where you come from. Okay, KJ? I feel like as a country, uh, I mean, we've definitely made a lot of progress, but there's there's still a lot of work to do. I think the ignorance is definitely high uh, in this country. Like to tag back to what Terrence said, um, uh, there's actually a documentary on the uh, Tulsa massacre that happened in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma in uh, 1921. Uh, I believe it came out maybe last week. Uh, mm-hmm. So I plan to check it out sometime this week. But I mean, there, there's also more massacres that happened besides Tulsa. I mean, there was one that happened in Chicago, 1919. One in Springfield, 1908, East St. Louis, 1917, Memphis, 1866, Atlanta, 1906. And I mean, the the list goes on. So it's like I think I I think there's just so much information out there that we really have to really sit down and dig deep and and really just just take the time to study and research it. Knowledge is power. So and going back on like what Kendall said, you know, researching these things, history repeats itself. So. A lot of these things that he's saying happened in the late 1800s or the early 1900s, they're coming right back around full circle. And now the only difference between now and then is they're on, you know, these things are on camera now. I think it's important for everybody to educate themselves, to research those things, and then be able to draw correlation and similarities. Absolutely. Very good. That's awesome, man. Because there have been periods of time where, uh, people will say that you need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Well, some of the period in time that you guys are talking about, the the massacre that took place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, for instance, African-Americans had established wealth and actually was building wealth. And because of that massacre, it certainly set African-Americans back. I would like to, uh, before we go on to the next one, Mm -hmm. uh, I think ignorance plays a role on both sides with just any race in general, be black, white. And it's crazy because I went to high school with somebody and that's really, really, really good friend. But he, he put something on Facebook. I'm not going to mention his name, but, uh, it just, it just shows the, the, the ignorance. He said, uh, Yes, racism still exists, but majority of the people you encountered with daily are not racist. If you believe this, you need to seek help and stop watching the TV. Open your eyes. Uh, when I read that, I I really didn't know how to feel about it, you know, because you, you, you have a, a really close relationship with them. You know, you, you guys have. I mean, I've been friends with this. I wouldn't say like real close friends, but I mean, we've always had a positive encounter with each other. I'd say well over 10 years. But it's, 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 I'm starting to realize like after high school, you know, you start to kind of see people's true intentions and personalities. And I say after this, this whole year with the election um, and, uh, you know, the new president in office, it, it really showed people's true character. Um, the curtain was revealed and it showed it showed people's true character. Um, 
So I think I think people just really need to be aware about what 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 happened in history. All right. What do you guys think about the fact that our former president spoke in racist terms? And do you think that he actually tapped into something that was kind of uh, underground and then people actually started tapping into that and it really just came to the forefront? What do you think? Like with uh, Donald Trump or? Yeah. I mean, was it always there? People uh, were racist all along and he just kind of gave them uh, a reason to actually bring it or speak it. Mm hmm. I think he lifted the curtain. Oh, that's all he did was just reveal the curtain. Just they're still here. Nothing changed. I think the only thing that changed was time and everything was just disguised. I mean, I would say tag along and say, yeah, what he did was he just pull back the curtains on things. But also, you know, the United States president, whoever it is, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, now Joe Biden, the United States president is one of the most influential people in the world. When Barack Obama was elected president, that was a time, you know, black people, we felt empowered that, you know, we could do things in this country. We could not that we didn't believe that before, but that was a a driving factor for, you know, motivation and to, you know, continue pushing forward and rising as black people. Where when Donald Trump was president, that uh, that made white supremacists feel like it's okay to be this way. It's okay, you know, splurge out this hate. And that's what he influenced those who may have been quiet before him, that's what he's what encouraged them to speak out and really express how they're feeling. So I would say, you know, it was like a dormant volcano just waiting to erupt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once he became president and, you know, gave the okay for that type of conduct and behavior, you know, that's when you started seeing people act out again. Okay. All right. Speaking of white supremacy, What's your thoughts on white supremacy and Black Lives Matter? If if an individual says that Black Lives Matter, does that mean that white lives matter less? No, it doesn't. <clears throat> what I like to say is Black Lives Matter too. Okay. The way I look at white supremacy and Black Lives Matter is, you know, that white supremacy is the bully and Black Lives Matter is just standing up to that bully. Now, when a white supremacist tries to bark back and say, well, all life matter or, you know, something like that. It's really like the bully trying to stand up for himself. What sense does that make? You know what I mean? The bully's not the one getting picked on. Right. So, I mean, that's how I look at it. It's just that, you know, Black Lives Matter is just, you know, that kid getting bullied, standing up for itself. Okay. Right. I think I think Black Lives Matter uh, also has a false narrative behind it as well. Um, you know, people like the attach hate with it like with this hate group called antifa uh, i guess they're an anti-fascist group so they're opposed to fascism so uh with all the protests and um you know just everything that that went on this past year um you know it seemed like um you know a lot of people like like the to tie you know black lives matter into that with people have to realize what we've been through as a people over the over the past 400 years and all that is leading up to these events right now. You know, people can only take so much, you know, but I'm I, I'm actually glad, you know, the riots and stuff happened because it was an eye opener. It was like, hold on, like stuff hasn't really changed too much. Right. I think if, a lot of stuff has just been disguised. Yeah. If you look at if you look at the riots from last year and then go pull up a riot, for the Rodney King riots or any riots, you know, in, from the civil rights movement, it looked like the exact same. Mm hmm. Just 
Yeah, it looks like the exact same, only buildings are older now. You know, there's new type of cop cars, you know, there's new technology. But everything as far as, you know, the fighting, the rioting, and the chaos that you got going on, mm-hmm. and the reason behind it, like the reason why that stuff is happening, it's all the same stuff. Okay. It's all the same stuff. And and I, I believe that the protest that took place on last summer was a result of the killing, the George Floyd killing, mm-hmm. and what actually happened to him, uh, some somewhat like it, it was like you guys are stressing a, a precipitating event. It was like the last straw uh, before uh, something was actually said about it. Uh, like like you were pointing out, Kendall, people can only take so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. So. As we come to a close, always ask the guests, what's one thing that you like to see the Biden administration accomplish? Beginning with you, TB. It's something that I feel like everybody would be in favor of, no matter where you come from or what your stance is, is that uh, I've heard them in talks about getting rid of uh, student loan debt. Mm -hmm. I think everybody would uh, love to see that. I was fortunate enough not to have student loan debt or anything like that, but I know many people in that boat and it don't sound fun. So I think that would be a major blessing for everybody to get that uh, weight lifted off their shoulder. Okay. It would be nice if if we could focus as a country on uh, a term called critical race theory. The definition is an academic movement of civil rights scholars and activists in the United States who seek to critically examine the law as it intersects with issues of race and to challenge mainstream liberal approaches to racial justice. Um, Now, it doesn't have to be the critical race theory specifically. I would like to see Biden really focus on bringing this country together and really focusing on, you know, I'm just going to bring it up. Uh, It would be such a blessing if if black people could get uh, one reparations Mm -hmm. or two, you know, even in history classes, adding more, you know, history, black history, besides, you know, the stuff that we've been learning since first or second grade, you know, and it doesn't hurt to always learn about Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, um, you know, Jesse Owens. Um, but there's so many more people, black people that invented stuff. So just it's, it's, it's a lot reparations, history. So I just like to see us all come together as a whole. And just really start working these issues and making making progress and really taking action instead of talking about it. We, we've always just been talking about it. I'd like to see Biden really start taking action and making moves. Awesome. It's like you guys pointed out, that is a part of American history as well. Mm-hmm. Black history is a part of American history. To not cover that, you really are whitewashing something that actually happened. Some people have a desire to recreate history that has taken place, like with the insurrection, you have some people that want to just move by that incident when that was one of the most violent things that occurred in the United States. Oh, yeah. On the 6th, on uh, January 6th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the most violent things that have occurred on our soil, mm-hmm. you know, by our own people. Right, right. And like you guys are pointing out, there are a lot of young people 
that are coming up now that don't know a lot of the history that took place, slavery, Jim Crow. And it's very important for that to actually be taught. I guess I want to ask, what do you get? Is there a reason why you think they actually don't want to teach that? What what would be wrong with actually teaching that in the classroom? I don't think there's there's nothing necessarily uh, wrong with it. I don't even think it's not even we as black people, because I think we we all want to learn, you know, our history. But I think it's the ones that are, in, you know, in control of what we learn at school. You know, I think they need to be comfortable in, in accepting of adding our history to it, too. Should be not, nothing wrong. We, we should all be able to, you know, learn about our history, because like you said, it's a part it's a part of American history. So I think it's just it's just the change. Uh, people think we're so far away from slavery, which slavery was not that long ago. I mean, it was 58 years before my grandpa was born. Uh, my grandpa was born in 1923 and slavery ended 1865. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago. So I think it's, it's just as a society, we just have to just start getting comfortable with these changes and know that it's going to be uncomfortable and there's going to be some happy people, some, some upset people. I think the right thing to do is to not hide, hide, the, hide the past. Awesome. Go ahead, TV. We'll give you the last word. Can you repeat that question? Yeah. And do you think that there is a specific reason why people would not want black history to be taught in this day and age? I mean, that all boils down to, you know, the racism in this country being systemic. Not only does that go for systemic racism in the government, but that also goes for systemic racism in the school and education system, too. You know, like when we integrated school before we integrated schools, we were learning about our history and, you know, learning about what was right and what, you know, how America came to be what it was. But when we integrated schools, well, we also we dropped what we were learning and then picked up what they were being, you know, what, you know, the white public was being taught. And those people on the school board back then and the people who are were in charge of superintendents and all that, you know, who were in charge of the curriculum. They were racist. Those were, you know, back in the day, those were KKK members. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then they had children or, you know, who grew up to be in charge of, you know, things like that. So really, it's just the people in charge. It takes going to take a change of heart from them. Right. That's what's uh, holding the proper curriculum back. And I think that's what they you know, that's what the fear is, is that once the actual truth comes out, people's heart will change and. Who's in charge will change. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So it's all a power struggle to me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Pathways to becoming a college graduate, what the brothers are proud of, important constitutional rights, and what needs to be changed to make America great. Until next time, keep living your best life. God bless and God speed. <laughs> Thank you.